0: 37th Parallel, on America's Haunted Highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.
1: One summer afternoon in the mid-1940s, two boys were playing on top of a sunny hill. After a short time of running around, the boys decided to lay in the grass of the hill and get some rest. Suddenly, they felt a strange, overwhelming sense of peace wash over them. As the boys lay in the grass soaking up the sun, they soon noticed two figures walking up the hill in their direction, and they heard them conversing in a strange language they had never heard before. As the men got closer, the boys noticed they were dressed in a strange clothing, not of this world. It shimmered and shined in the sunlight like it was almost sparkling, and the men were also accompanied by a strange ball of light that shined and levitated next to the men. Then the boys suddenly noticed the two men now spoke in English and told the boys they need not panic and instead should try to get some rest. The boys suddenly fell asleep. When the two boys awoke and started to make their way home, groggily, they discovered it was already the next afternoon. They had been missing for over 24 hours, with no explanation of where they had been. All they could remember was the foggy recollection of two men on the hill and their bright, shiny ball of light. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Pixelated Paranormal, episode number 90. 90. Holy shit! We're getting close to hundred. We are ten away. One hundred. One hundred. Keeping it one hundred. Yep. Ninety percent of one hundred. Yeah. Episode number ninety. We are fast approaching that milestone of hundred episodes. And speaking of one hundred, we are uh, we're well over a hundred followers on Instagram. So that's awesome. And if uh, if likes count for anything, um, we also had over five hundred and forty likes on that last photo we posted with the stinger or is, teaser for tonight's episode, which is crazy. Because what did you
2: do different in in the hashtags?
1: Mm, nothing. I typically I know, use about so was like gonna... twenty seven, yeah, twenty seven stock hashtags with enough room to add two to three extra pertaining to the topic. Yeah,
2: and that's what I, that's what I saw on it. And I was like, I think we're up to like five hundred. Seventy almost, I guess
1: oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's just so weird. <laughs> yeah, so something, yeah.
2: something must have happened to where people were actually clicking on an actual one of them hashtags, like as like a generate, like if so many people search or tag so many things in it, you know what I mean? Uh,
1: maybe I don't know. Just, I mean, I always throw down on the Insta Good and the Insta Daily, which is just random shit throughout, you know, that feed. It could be a slew of anything. It could be you know, dog photos, bikini yeah, photos, beer photos, that's food, true. Or whatever.
2: Yeah, this so, fucking dog, dude.
1: You're all right, man.
2: Can't control that shit. Anyway, um, yeah, so it's pretty it's pretty cool to see that huge amount of uh, f- traffic on that Instagram post. That was dope.
1: Yeah, most definitely. So, I mean, I'd like to think that means we have a couple new followers or a boatload. So, uh, if it's your first time, thank you so much for joining us. Have a seat, grab a drink, maybe a blanket. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about tonight, and... Uh, That photo that we used was the cover art for Joshua Cutchin's Thieves in the Night, A Brief History of Supernatural Child Abduction. And that's going to be our main focus of this episode. But before we get too much farther into it, I wanted to go ahead and uh, make an announcement here. Normally during our news, we talk about news, but um, this is both news and a really cool announcement. Um, I don't know, Steve. I don't think you were on the show back then, but several episodes ago, I told a brief story about how my cousin's cousin disappeared. Do you guys remember that at all? Jesse Ross mm, yeah,
0: I do remember that because we were talking about, about, about uh missing four one one
1: yeah, yeah, right, so um, Jesse Ross disappeared. It was november twenty first two thousand six he went to Chicago from Kansas City to do this kind of like uh, mock student u n conference deal yep,
2: I remember now
0: yeah. you remember
1: that now yeah, yeah. and i won't uh, I won't go into details of this um too much i'll I'll drop a podcast you should listen to at the end of this little segment uh, if you want to get a really nice deep dive into that but uh yeah my cousin's cousin. Jesse Warren Ross disappeared on November 21st, 2006. And I remember nothing of it because that was shortly after I was married. So I really wasn't paying attention to anything besides just, you know, my wife and all that oh. kind of stuff. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so he disappeared. And I I think I've met him a couple times. You know, the Rosses were... Um, like I said, they were my cousin's cousins. So anytime we had a big reunion, we'd get together and uh, it'd be my mom's side of the family, my uncle's side of the family, and then my aunt's side of the family, which was where the Rosses were. But anyway, um, I wanted to make an announcement that finally, on April 14th, 2019, at one twenty-five p.m., this fantastic documentary called When I Last Saw Jesse... Is going to be premiering at the end of the Kansas City Film Fest International, kind of as a cap to that whole uh, that whole film fest. Wow. And this is going to be at the Cinemark Plaza Theater in KC. Um, I wish I could go, but that's going to be when Preston and I are coming back yeah. from uh, Omaha. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to miss it. But um, it's it's pretty neat. It's kind of an important thing to um, you know our family, my extended family and i'm excited to see it it's it's a real chilling tale and there's not there's no point for us to cover this if we couldn't do the story justice so i'd urge everybody to check out this podcast it's called thin air and check out episode 33 and they will uh they cover the story i mean in depth a huge deep dive no stone no stone left unturned And they not only interview Brian Rose, the guy who's making the documentary, the filmmaker, but also Jesse's father. And uh, it's just another peculiar case of somebody going missing with no trace of where they went or what happened to them. So definitely check it out, guys. Thin Air Podcast. I don't know if they still do uh, active shows, but I know they have a lot of shows that are archived. So check out episode 33 if you want to know really, you know, in-depth look at what happened to Jesse.
2: And is that more of like on the uh, I keep, I'm try I remember you talking about it. Now is that mm-hmm. more on the case of like something paranormal or just like an abduction? Um, it's
1: more thing? just just a missing person's case. I mean, he he went to this event. There's talks of him maybe having a little bit to drink. Yeah. Um, he goes to this late night conference. They have a dance. Um, there's photos of him at the dance with other students. And then they call an emergency meeting um, at like, I don't know, midnight, one or two in the morning. They call an emergency meeting and he shows up and there's rumors that he may have been intoxicated, but there's also rumors of people saying that he was not. And at some point, anyway, he, uh, he leans over to his best friend and and whispers something to him or mutters something and his friend couldn't hear it. So he just kind of like acknowledges, you know, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And then Jesse excuses himself and there is footage of the hotel showing him walking out of the hotel. Mm-hmm. And he's never seen again. It's So and weird. I isn't yeah, it, There's not much of an outward paranormal, uh, you know, aspect to it, but it's just really bizarre.
2: Yeah, and isn't that weird? Like when you when you're in that position, you think like his like his friend that's like yeah yeah whatever you know like. Whenever mm-hmm. and there's rumors of him drinking. There's rumors of him not drinking. When shit like right. this happens, like doesn't that make you wonder? Like how much we don't pay attention to the littlest mundane details. Where if oh, we yeah, ever all had the time. To, yeah, like it's so it's so crazy. Because if you ask me what one of the guys in my work was wearing, wearing this morning, I could probably maybe tell you two out of the six. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Right, like right, so, yeah, it's sure. It's so hard to remember s- certain stuff like that. And I think that's where people are like, I, I I think he was drinking. I I don't know. Like you know. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah.
1: It's it's interesting. And I mean, we talk about missing person cases all the time. I I mean, I'm looking right now at missing four one one, a sobering coincidence, and it has a lot to do with the disappearance of young, you know, men, college aged, who have been drinking. A lot of them disappear around you know bodies of water. Uh, Jesse did disappear right by the Chicago River. Yeah. So, and they go into that way, way, way more in depth about, you know, the idea of him falling in the water and where would the body be? And there should have been a body to turn up and how the different locks and the different um, mechanisms work in that river to allow, you know, currents to change and whatnot. So it's, it's, it's really fascinating. I really, again, urge a lot of you guys uh, to just listen to that podcast, not because it's family. It's it's not me playing a victim card, because honestly, I, I don't remember him at all, unfortunately. So, I mean, It's just a really interesting case. It is indeed. Yep. So, um, on to our main topic, guys. That's all for the news. Um, As I mentioned before, we're going to be jumping into Thieves in the Night, a super... I'm sorry, a brief history of supernatural child abduction by Joshua Cutchin. And it's interesting because... um, A lot of times when you start researching a lot of these things, the paranormal, uh, 14 topics, fringe topics, the um, rabbit hole, yeah, the more you start reading up on these different themes, the more you're going to start noticing that there's a lot of similarities between different phenomenons and in some cases, uh, similarly that to that tonight, um, you can almost draw a straight line from one thing in this book to another and another book. And sooner or later, there's so many different parallels that start to mirror each other. Now
2: I'm just picturing that meme of Charlie day, looking at that, all them blind, like the putting a pin with the yarn to the other pin. It's like, he's like, he's like, hair's all a mess. And he's like, look right here.
1: (laughs) No, it's it's kind of how I felt because <laughs> I picked up Thieves in the Night um, sometime in the last couple months, and I've been kind of just cherry picking through it. And I thought, you know what, I want to do a pretty deep dive. I want to cover this book, and it's you know, and it's um, and it's whole. That doesn't sound right, does it? Nope. <laughs> in its hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna be talking about holes later. Sounds like now. a good yeah, we'll, time. We'll be talking about holes. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I want to cover this whole book. And then as I'm reading it, I'm finding a lot of weird um, parallels between Missing 411 and actually the author mentions Dave Politis and Missing 411 pretty early on in the book. But also there's a lot of parallels, as we'll get to in Alien Abduction, and there's a lot of really weird stuff that kind of came to be very similar um, in the book, The Communion Letters, Ooh. which are kind of like fan letters that were written to Whitley Strieber and Ann Strieber after the abduction book Communion came out. So we're not only going to be talking about Thieves in the Night, we're going to be discussing some Missing 411, we're going to be discussing some of these communion letters and a lot of other stuff, so... Um like I mentioned before, it's going to be broken into probably three episodes. Tonight, we're going to be doing a little bit of uh, introduction into some of the creatures that are supposedly um you know at work in some of these cases um as well as some history of child uh, disappearances and some other interesting stuff. So, um it should be noted, I think it's probably a good time to go ahead and drop a uh, a trigger warning. Um we're not going to jump in here with any intention of purposefully offending anybody at all during these episodes. Um, we will be discussing some religion briefly and some biblical history, uh, as though not to make fun of religion, just to kind of give you guys some really interesting aspects that you may not have known about the Bible. Um, we aren't going to make light of the terrible, heartbreaking situation when somebody loses a child, be it you know kidnapping or a strange disappearance or whatever, and nor will we touch really on anything uh, gory or overly violent towards children. We're not going to talk about any kind of abduction cases, any kind of serial killers, any of that kind of crap. Uh, That part will remain pretty PG. Um, But as always, guys, if you or anybody you know is in danger, you should always contact your local authorities immediately. Please take note of this as well. The phone number for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children is 1-800-843-5678, that is 1-800-THE-LOST. So, um, we know this, children have long been the focus and fascination of, of and for paranormal activities. Children are said to experience paranormal anomalies much more often than adults through and through. And we also know that um, maybe they're young and this causes them to be naive. Maybe their souls aren't fully removed from the spiritual realm, that place that kind of connects, you know, earth spirits to the other realm, I say in air quotes. Um, Maybe their reaction and their involvement in paranormal occurrences is because they haven't yet become, you know, distracted by a lot of the shackles of maturity that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, So this allows them to maybe keep their imagination more intact. It allows them to kind of hold on to that childlike wonder they have about them. Um, They still possess a sense of awe and wonderment. And maybe that allows them to kind of see through the veil, so to speak, or makes them more of a magnet for these strange occurrences. You know, maybe it's the fact that um, this wonderment has not been pulled from their psyche yet, and they haven't been diluted with the burdens of paying their bills on time, balancing their jobs and social lives, or trying to maintain healthy adult relationships. Basically, they don't have to do all the garbage shit we got to deal with. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of it has to
2: do with brain science, too. Like, science of the brain. Because it's like sure it's developing at such a quick rate when the, you know toddler to younger child to you know preteen teen shit like that it's just it's just go 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 go. I right. think that that there's, allows things to be seen, experienced too. There,
0: there's also sure. some uh, scientific evidence that the the pineal gland, which dumps um, DMT into the brain, that so in modern day society because we have like fluoride in our water and because of our diet and other things mm-hmm. that when we're children by the time we get to like age 10 to age 12 that that gland becomes calcified and um the amount of DMT that's produced in the brain is lowered Therefore, mm. you're unable to be connected to these paranormal experiences so that the DMT itself in your brain, kind of like you know, people who meditate for long periods of times, will see like meditation lights. It's yeah. because their brain's being subjected to this amount of DMT and because that gland is now calcified, we're kind of shut off as adults um, to those experiences.
2: And isn't, isn't that DMT, that's like a, a popular a uh, hallucinogenic drug right now, right? That's a lot of people are talking about all the time.
0: Yeah, probably. I mean, there's lots of studies that, uh, I mean, you could, like a float tank, you yeah. know, going to a deprivation sensory tank Um, allows mm-hmm. your brain to go into overload, which uh, produces DMT as well, which is why people have religious experiences or these mm-hmm. um, profound hallucinations why they're in there.
2: So. Yeah, and like, because Mike, Mike Tyson, he, uh, he just does uh, medicinal recreational marijuana now. But he's, mm-hmm. and I mean, God, the amount of drugs that dude's done in his life. But <laughs> now all he, right. do, all he does is just marijuana. But he was talking about uh, doing DMT and and float uh, tank things. And he can't do yeah. it because his anxiety is always so high anyway. That when he starts to, to do the float or the DMT um, treatment or whatever you want to call it itself. Like he starts seeing shit that isn't there. Like
1: spooky, scary shit. So, mm-hmm. well, and I mean, and that's that's just kind of a random thing. There's hundreds of people that mm-hmm. they have terrible trips when they do like ayahuasca or float tanks or any of that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I mean, hell, that guy's probably been in the equivalency of how many car wrecks <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with the amount of brain trauma. So you can't even imagine yeah. the creepy shit that's hidden away in that head.
2: The amount of brain trauma he's giving people, boom.
1: Yeah. The no champ, doubt. He's a champ. Maybe it's because of the fact that they still have that sense of wonder, or like Preston said, that high amount of uh, pineal gland uh, DMT and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, it explains why they have experiences and experience the most of uh, the majority of paranormal sightings. And a lot of times, children are the ones who see a Loch Ness monster. There's lots of children who see Bigfoot or ghosts. Uh, we oftentimes associate poltergeist activity around the youth, children, and young teens. Um, But even more shocking than all that is the involvement that children seem to have with UFO sightings, alien encounters and abductions, as well as reports of seeing, quote, little people like gnomes and fairies. And as we will get into throughout these episodes and, um, you know, as we've talked about before, there are a lot of cases of young, young children, young people seeing strange creatures like fairies and gnomes and elves, You're going to say something, Steve.
2: No, you know me and my gnomes and fairy. I just, I I can't. (laughs) It was like these kids. To me, I'm like, oh, you saw Bigfoot? Great! Let's go cool. like, believe it and be interested. I'm like, yeah, oh, I saw a gnome. Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, maybe we're gonna change your mind a little bit with some of the hard-hitting facts that we're gonna try to bring. All right, I'll go. I'll I'll go. I'll go the Mulder route. I want to believe. So, <laughs> so. You want to believe in fairies and gnomes? <laughs> um. So, unfortunately, you know, children disappear a lot. This is nothing new, although it is very sad. Um, Children have often easily been, you know, easy pickings for a number of different predators for whatever reason. You know, animals, things in nature. We look back at, you know, cavemen, um, some Native American, you know, history. Children are oftentimes easily picked off by predatory animals. You also have, you know, predators in the human realm. We have, you know, pedophiles. We have human trafficking, all that kind of stuff. Children... Have been disappearing all the time. And in some cases, it's not always that easily explained. As author and investigator John Keel of the Mothman Prophecy fame has said before, children vanish more frequently than any other age group adults, young adults, you know, elderly. It's a lot of times children who disappear. And it's not just a simple case of them running away, it has to be that in some cases, something is taking our children away, something that has lived in our nightmares for a very long time, perhaps longer than we can remember. So I'll start off with this, you know, just kind of an example here. In August of 1869, there was a large disappearance of children from Cork, Ireland, and then again one month later in Brussels, Belgium unexplainably small groups of children were simply up and vanishing with no explanation. Now, again, in 1895 in Belfast, followed by another large disappearance of a group of eight young girls, all under the the age of 12 years old. It's just really hard to explain. Now these could be examples of, you know, our first um, kidnappings, our first serial killings, different things like that. We don't know exactly what happened. What we do know is just tons of kids are disappearing, Hmm. and now in current day, some reports say it's estimated that almost 800,000 children can disappear in one year's time, just in the U.S. alone. That's insane. And to me, that's a staggering number. And at first, I was like, "That's a little inflated. That seems a little bit, a little bit bumped up." But I mean, shit. Go to any uh, any supermarket. Go to any store. Um, you'll see missing children's posters all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, jump on the uh, the website for the uh, Center of Missing and Exploited Children. There are tons, I mean thousands, hundreds of thousands of kids that have disappeared. So, I mean, maybe it's not that hard to believe. And that's just in the U.S. That's not counting other countries across the globe. Crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's really, really insane. But having your children stolen away in the night is not the only thing that we have in common across all cultures. And being that it's not always a new phenomenon, it dates back for centuries. And out of the heartbreak we've shared for so many years, many cultures also come with the common theme of folkloric warnings to our children. We oftentimes warn kids that you have to behave, you have to listen to your parents, and you must never, ever run away. And if you do these things, the boogeyman will get you.
2: Like, the boogeyman gives no shits about any of that. Like, why would (laughs) would a parent think that that's going to (laughs) work?
1: Well, okay, so, you know, sure, the the boogeyman doesn't give a shit about that, but remember the story that Matt sent us in about the Charman of Ojai? Ah, Yeah, true. What about,
0: um, God, what episode was it that we covered? It was like, um, cryptids or, um... a, a mutual friend that we know that lived mm-hmm. in the uh, Philippines sent in about the the horse head person that, uh, whatever it was called, uh, the the Tikbaling. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, that basically focused on small children. so as a child, she was taught don't wander off in the, the forest
1: because a Tikbaling is going to get you. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly. Um, throughout a lot of our shows and even before that, you know, we've been learning whether or not your research, Paranormal topics, or you just watch, you know, movies and pop culture. Almost every culture, religion, and belief system has some cautionary tale of a boogeyman. Now, do Whether you... something out of, hmm? I was gonna say, do. You... So
2: this is just weird to me because I'm so desensitized to horror movies in general. Sure, 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 sure. So like, I watched Freddy Krueger of like the first time when I was like five years old, and I've been hooked ever since. So like, right, that shit does doesn't phase me at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Did your did your guys' parents do something like this to you? To try to get you to behave or go to bed early? Talk about boogeymen or anything like that? Like,
1: I don't know. I've never
2: experienced that.
1: My parents probably didn't have to teach me because I was so screwed up with watching alien abduction movies and yeah. Friday the 13th that I probably scared myself into staying in bed and not acting a fool. Yeah, because yeah. like...
0: My, Go my ahead. parents never gave me those rules. They were just like, "You shouldn't watch that. You'll have nightmares." I'm like, Puh, "Screw you guys!" And then like my dad would walk in at like eleven o'clock. What's the matter? What do you What do you have the covers over your head? You're afraid, aren't you? I told you you'd get nightmares. And then he slammed the door.
1: <laughs> and little Preston's like, "No, Dad, I'm baiting." I'm yeah. baiting. <laughs> oh. Because oh. like my oh. my
2: sister's son, uh, he loves he loves Pennywise. Jared's son loves Pennywise. Like I yeah. and then I don't know. It's just I just think that. Everything's so desensitized now that sure, I, don't, sure. I don't think that's gonna work, at least in our culture. <laughs> True. Well, yeah, I don't know. Then it's... again, that's there's a lot of parents that are very overprotective, of children and horror, scary things like that. Yeah, but, right, I mean, right, right, right. But I mean, we're clearly in a market uh, for like movies and just horror in general to be PG thirteen because they're like shit. We can make hella money of PG thirteen movies.
1: Right, we can make three times the money if we yeah. open up these you know these doors to. 13 to 17 year olds yeah. they're gonna watch this shit yeah know, most so, definitely
2: so i don't know it's just weird it's just a thought
1: well i mean on the note of pop culture dude horror movies forever have been used as a propaganda tool to you know try to warrant people from having premarital sex from oh, yeah. you know driving down the street to go make out well i mean hell that's that's um that's a lot of your folklore as well and you know, your home your home stories of, Oh, don't go make out on the hill because the man with the hook for a hand will pull your girlfriend out and kill you. Yeah. That kind of stuff. So I mean The Boogeyman most famously was known as Michael Myers from the Halloween movies. You know, he was actually called, another nickname for Michael Myers was the Boogeyman. And the shape. And the shape, right. Yeah, that's the actual technical name. You're right. Ten points to Gryffindor. Um, So, I mean, whether you're watching movies and you're worrying about Michael Myers hiding in your closet with a butcher knife, uh, maybe it's the Jeepers Creepers monster, you know. Speaking of a predator. (laughs) Oh, that's true. The director was a pedo, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. that's kind of
2: weird because like I follow I'm sure we both follow the same horror like Facebook pages and they're always posting that it's like a constant reminder of that what's his name (laughs) Silva dude or something yeah Uh, something like that how he he created Jeepers Creepers but he's a convicted pedophile and even in one of his movies he actually filmed it and put it into a movie is crazy but um, you know he went to prison served his time Came back out, made a really iconic horror movie now that's loved by a lot of people. And then, you know, just made three. But I think I think a lot of that's shaping up, you know, type of thing. A lot of yeah. people are sure, sure kind of scared to admit that they like the movies, you know. I, I don't know. I separate the movie from the director,
1: like there you
0: go. I, I, don't know.
1: I separate the first two movies because I didn't know what happened until after I watched the second one.
0: Yeah, but the third one was complete shit. Like it was so bad that they just released it to Netflix. Yeah. So yeah, it was crap. It you was. And
1: you know what? People can reform. We're not a, we're not Judge Judy and executioner. Word, word. And this isn't a movie podcast. <laughs> Although many times it turns into that. Indeed. So okay, let me backtrack here. Um, also, um, you know. Blah, 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 blah. The Jeepers Creepers monster wanted to turn your skin into a suit all the way to the horse-headed Tikbaling of the Philippines, Preston, who loves to kidnap children from the edge of the forest who wander a little bit too close just to tickle them (laughs) amongst the trees and then eat them whole. That's so silly. Or hell, like I said before, the story of the Charman of Ojai that Matt's dad would tell him and his brother to hopefully keep them nearby and not have them run into the woods. We all have our boogeyman, is what I'm trying to make a point here of, but the boogeyman isn't always something easy to describe, and in fact has many faces across the world, and could date back very, very far up to the beginning of man, and in reality, there may not be just boogeymen, but women as well, which is why I almost named the episode Boogie People. ha <laughs> ha. Something strange that seems to occur on this topic and reoccur, the abduction topic, is the paranormal creatures involved that have always had a fascination with the supposed human reproductive process and hybridization. That is a very common, you know, uh, tactic and topic we've heard about with aliens. But before you roll your eyes simultaneously, as you also reach for your tinfoil hat, you guys can relax. Rick. (laughs) We're not going to get into aliens and hybrids and all that kind of stuff right now, at least not on this episode. But we are going to talk about creation in another way by taking a look at some interesting parts of the Bible as we introduce you to some of the earliest parts and first ever recorded baby snatchers in some of our earliest history. History? So in Genesis... Question mark? (laughs) Right, right. It is a book. It is a history book. Could be fiction, could not be. We don't know. In Genesis, it was said that the sons of God came down from the heaven to lay with the daughters of men. And that offspring, those crossbred creatures between, you know, half gods and mortal men became known as the Nephilim or the Nephilim. This is one of the most classic versions of a paranormal crossbreeding with humans from the Bible. But we're going to turn our attention to a different biblical character, a different demon of sorts, and possibly the earliest paranormal baby snatcher in recorded history. We're going to talk a little bit about the demon goddess known as Lilith. So, Steve. What is Bro, what do you know about Lilith? Okay,
2: first off, uh, I, I I you texted this earlier and I was like, I don't know anything. I know there's a Lilith character in Buffy, which... Uh-huh. Has nothing to do with what you're about to talk about. She's a vamp, Yeah, so you don't a know vampire. a goddamn thing. Hold on, and then I also know Lilith <laughs> from Supernatural, but I can't uh-huh. really. She's a. She's the first demon Lucifer created. So this could possibly be. The same Lilith. We'll learn and we'll see. Yeah,
0: I mean, you'll learn. So, I mean, it's safe to say maybe you don't know a goddamn thing. Like, maybe, you know, like, (laughs) a wee bit, right? So, Lilith is a figure in Jewish mythology who developed early on in the Babylon Talmud. So, during the Babylon period where the Jews were in Babylon um, as they started to develop their holy book. That's what we call the Talmud. And she's often envisioned as a dangerous demon of the night, who is sexually wanton. And Steve, that means that she's a super whore with millions upon millions of sexual partners. She likes it rough, dirty, sinful. And I'm not kink-shaming, so don't you dare say we don't kink-shame around here. I'm simply putting this into a context for you. And the reason why we're bringing her up on tonight's show is she's one of the first recorded demons of the night who steals babies in the darkness.
2: Okay, first off, she sounds awesome. Except the stealing baby part. <laughs> Except the stealing baby part. We don't need none of that. But everything else totally cool, and it
1: should okay. And it should be. He's a demon in the streets and a freak in the sheets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, now, the
2: sexual partners. That chick has got some damn demon
0: hates. A whole new version. A.D. Yeah. <laughs> a whole new version. So most what most people don't know about Lilith is that in the original writings of the Bible, she actually appeared as Adam's first wife. So when God created Adam from clay, he also created Lilith from clay. However, Adam wanted his wife to be subservient. All right, so he's the king of all the creatures. He's the king of the garden, and you know God had uh, basically had. Created, you know Lilith as his equal, but Adam said no. You need to be subservient. And at one point in time, she refused. She left the garden, would not return, and she coupled with the archangel
1: Samuel. So what is all? just what is all so see what her is walking all
2: Away with the Beyonce
1: hand.
0: Oh yeah, she put a ring <laughs> yeah. on, right? I picture her walking
1: away doing the teacup dance. Yeah, yeah. All oh, the single ladies. That's oh, just me. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so let's break this down. What is this all? All mean. I don't need a man. Okay. So basically, God told them both, Adam and Lilith, that the best way to make a baby was for man to be on top. And all the other ways cowgirl, reverse cowgirl, doggy, sideways spoon, straddle, boat, candle, and disco all of those were sinful and shouldn't be practiced.
1: (laughs) What is candle and what is disco? Yeah. (laughs) So, uh,
0: candle is when you stand upside, like you're standing up, but the man is like behind. And uh, disco is where like you're standing up, but you're facing each other, and you know you're disco dancing it
1: out. That's not nearly as graphic as I thought it was. I actually be. looked this up today on the internet. I typed
0: in sex positions, enter, <laughs> and so I could get a menagerie of different things to bring up because I just didn't
1: want to stop with. <laughs> as uh, long as you
2: know. didn't do that on a work computer. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> <Okay>. oh, <laughs> I was oh, going wow. to make sure.
1: Yeah. Oh, Billy. <laughs> oh, oh my God.
2: All right.
0: So, anyways. <laughs> Lilith got tired of getting the D the missionary way and she got to ride that dick any way she wanted with Archangel Sam and she said fuck you Adam I'm out well God didn't like that back's ass and banished her from the garden and turned her into the first known succubus now she stole babies in the dead of night as a big fuck you to God because everyone knows babies have the most innocent souls and because we are all children of Adam and Eve she's still a little jelly because Adam got a new honey. So that's kind of a big fuck you to Adam, too. Now, if Sean is the show's scientist, then I'm the show's historian. So let me hit you with the facts, Jack. In the Hebrew language, the term Lilith or Lilith is translated as night creatures, night monsters, night hag, or screech
1: owl. Night Holy hag. <laughs> night hag. <laughs> Yeah, the Can you night imagine night. at the meeting where they had to name this thing? Like, everybody's being really serious, and the fucking drunk guy in the back's like, <laughs> Screech Owl! Call her Screech <laughs> Owl!
0: Because <laughs> she's a-moaning. <laughs> now, it has also been claimed by some proponents of the uh, pseudoscientific etymology that the term lullaby derives from Lilith Abay, uh, which means Lilith Be Gone. So to guard against Lilith, Jewish mothers would hang four amulets on nursery walls with the inscriptions, Lilith Abai, which also means Lilith Be Gone. Now, modern-day Western science says, fuck you, you're wrong. In fact, it derives from the English word, lol. So, I don't know. I mean, whose word do you take there, right? right. Now, an alternative <laughs> collection of stories in the 9th or 10th century, titled The Alphabet of Ben Sayera, draws on earlier stories of Adam's wife and of Adam's coupling with demons and it spends an elaborate story in which modern scholars say that this was just a folkloric take on why SIDS or sudden infant death syndrome occurred. Now I won't read the whole thing but here's the most important part. Lilith said to them, my friends, I know God only created me to weaken infants when they are eight days old. From the day a child is born until the eighth day, I have dominion over that child. And from the eighth day forward I have no dominion over him if he is a boy, but he if he is or if she is a girl, I rule them for twelve days.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now when Lilith says God created me to weaken infants, does she mean when he first made her from clay or when he damned her and turned her into a demon? Oh, when he damned her and turned you into a succubus succubi,, but, okay, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know though, like
2: if he made you he made you that way, it sounds like she's just making shit sure up to be vengeful,
1: mm, maybe I mean, they say he makes no mistakes, yeah, <laughs> or we could say this was the first experiment, and he realized, oh, well, let's just scratch that one, burn it, and throw it down below, yeah. <laughs> 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 so yeah, uh, up until this time. Lilith basically ran around pissed off about being cast out of Eden. She was stealing children. And one day she meets up with Elijah. Mr. (laughs) Froto. One night when she's out stealing babies and killing infants and drinking their blood, she comes across a man named Elijah. And when Elijah says, hey, uh, what are you doing out here? she hisses at him and she says i'm
2: going to the house of the mistress
1: and then you know insert whatever name of a woman having a baby here
2: <laughs> i'm going to plunge her into the sleep of death take away her babe drink its blood
1: suck out the marrow, and then sew up the flesh
2: wait why do you sound like a man
1: succubus I mean, we weren't there. (laughs) Maybe for all you know, I'm going to add some kind of like female voiceover to this. Sean does not have the
0: (laughs) the uh, vernacular that I do with uh, you know different types of like you know Southern, Cajun, (laughs) English. I'm going to take
2: away your babe, drink its blood, suck out its marrow,
0: and then soak its flesh. About
1: the babe. Oh, you sound so sexy. I'm going to take
0: away your baby, (laughs) oh, Mister Belvedere. (laughs)
1: fuck a doodle (laughs) do so so on and so forth suck out the morrow soap the flesh so elijah really wasn't into all that and so he decides to cast out her name and then declare if anyone were to call out your name lilith as you approach to take away their babies the lord will cast you into stone and this also goes for people making amulets out of jewels with her name inscribed on the side So this is where we get the act of inscribing her name on the ambulance, the ambulances, (laughs) 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 on the amulets that Preston mentioned before. They would write the name of Lilith or Lilith Abai or Abai or what have you on these amulets. They would hang them on the walls, above the doors, above the windows, and most importantly, above the cribs, because any threshold that had her name inscribed above it, she was not able to enter. So parents began to hang up the ambulance
2: ambulance a- come ambulance. on you're struggling <laughs>
1: parents begin hanging up the amulets above their beds in groups which may be some of the first recorded uses of mobiles that we or, hang above beds now or bling. instead of airplanes and teddy bears it was you know rubies and sapphires with demons names inscribed on them which i think we should get back to <laughs> yeah that's
2: way cooler <laughs> yeah. a fucking plastic little plane
1: Right, right. So parents use this as a way to basically ward off the attacks and kidnappings of the demon Lilith. This was prominent, especially of the first week of a newborn boy and the first three weeks of girls. Now, Preston, what you mentioned before, babes are very vulnerable early, early, early on the early weeks of their life, especially to what we know now as SIDS or Mm -hmm. the sleeping curse of Lilith. A lot of times if a baby died, they would just chalk it up to, oh, man, Lilith's kiss, the the kiss of Lilith, um, blah, 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 curses. So these were also, hang on a second, and uh, the jewels and amulets, if I could just say amulet and not ambulance, (laughs) then we'd be all right. (laughs) The amulets were also used and hung to ward off other creatures besides Lilith, including the evil witches called the Benamin and Anirin, who also are said to steal children at night and use them for god knows what so that's what yeah. them
2: that's what the mobiles
1: are for is to yeah. distract the baby so they fall asleep on their back wow yeah i mean yeah. i'm sure they're multifaceted now they're like hey guess what gary not only does it ward off demons but my baby fell asleep 10 times quicker yeah but that's that's the folklore
0: history of the mobile <coughs> that, that most <laughs> people don't know about so huh
1: yeah, there you go that's cool yeah
0: but I got more. So oh. some Satanists a sa- Satanists <laughs> believe see I can't even fucking talk. Jesus Christ. Sean. <laughs> uh. So some Satanists oh fuck whatever. Believe Satan worshippers. Sh- <laughs> yeah. Satan worshippers. So some shit. Some Satan worshipers believe that she is the wife of Satan and thus think of her as a mother figure. Others believe that uh, their revenance toward her is based on her history as a sexual goddess. So that they're actually like, damn, she fucked a lot of dudes. I'm like a million, a... a million partners,
2: yeah. dude. She is the goddess.
0: <laughs> yeah, she is a sex god. Uh, there is also a different approach to it to a satanic Lilith, which holds that she was once a fertility and agricultural goddess before she went evil, and some even says she is the source of lustful dreams. For example, biblical sources say it is forbidden for a man to sleep alone in his house, lest Lilith get a hold of him. Lilith is said to fertilize herself with male sperm to give birth to
1: other demons. And that is because one of the other caveats to her demonic banishment was that all the children that she had when she laid with Adam And all her children to come after her demonic, uh, whatever you want to call that, metamorphosis, would become demon spawn themselves and roam the earth in the name of Satan.
0: Yeah. And look, since it's completely natural and all three of us were once teenagers and we all had those wet dreams due to the old night hag, it's probably (laughs) safe to say, including you, Steve, we all have... Some wet dream demon bastard babies running around there somewhere. God. <laughs> oh. oh my god! Oh, <laughs> yeah.
2: I just love oh. the. I just love the word night hag.
1: Night hag Night Hag is fun, and that reminds me of the joke on, on a Family Guy where Peter Griffin gets in trouble for watching porn at Quagmire's house, and he's like, <laughs> I don't see the problem with firing off a couple of knuckle children in the privacy of my neighbor's house when he's not home.
2: <laughs> knuckle. knuckle children. Knuckle
1: children has yeah. always made me giggle more than Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Welcome, new listeners. This is what you get.
0: Yeah. Uh-oh. So... Where is Lilith these days? So, Steve, earlier, you know, you were talking about, like, all these references. You yeah. weren't far off, okay? So, oh the my horror God. movie...
2: Now I remembered all these. I'm reading it. Okay, go ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, the horror movie, 30 Days of Night, Dark Days, featured a vampire called Lilith. Yeah. All right? In the mythology of the TV series True Blood, Lilith is known as the first vampire. Yeah. Uh, the 2009 comedy movie that you brought up two shows ago, uh, Year One... Lilith is represented uh, as the daughter of Adam and the sister of Cain. In Scooby-Doo, mystery-incorporated episode, <laughs> Night of Haunted Mountain, so even the kids are getting the history lesson, even though they didn't realize it, the main villainess was a flying phantom, which was named Dark Lilith and protects a mountain called Mount Diabla. Diabla. Lilith Fair? Who the fuck doesn't remember that from their childhood like I do? Lilith Fair concert? Formed by, or, uh, Founded by the Canadian musician Sarah McLaughlin.
1: On the wings of,
0: of the angels. Of the and the angel. crying dogs and all that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Inspired by Lilith. <laughs> this is the one that really blew my mind. Because this is one of my favorite sci-fi movies ever. The character Lilu, which Sean says I do a horrible impression of in the movie The Fifth Element. Absolutely
1: Mul- terrible. Yeah. Mul- she Multifass. is a
0: futuristic fantasy ter- which turns the concept of Lilith on its head by saving humanity instead of devouring it. Wow. Lilu is depicted as a fair-skinned with strawberry blonde hair, young, and lithe, similar uh, similar to the and identical to the Romantic era paintings of Lilith. Lilu is represented as the original woman and is born in the movie speaking Aramaic. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And more importantly, for all you bra burners out there, you know who you are. More recently, Lilith has become...
1: And goodbye to all the new listeners. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Lilith has come to represent the freedom of feminist women around the world who no longer want to be good girls. So, in your face, people. Good God.
1: (laughs) So... I love whenever I'm like, Preston, I'm going to handle the brunt of the research on this one. Just do me a favor. Give me like a quick two to three minutes about X topic. And you're like, well, all right. <laughs> hey, yeah, fuck that. Here's, here's 30 minutes. No shit. <laughs> <sighs> That's good, though. I really, really enjoy that. So, yeah. And so there you go. That's one of the earliest culprits for child disappearances. You know, up until the... Um, the the alien abduction phenomenon and before that the fairy and the elf phenomenon we blamed a lot of disappearing and dying children on that of Lilith and also um was it Moloch we're not going to talk about him on this episode but another uh, classic biblical yeah. demon who liked to eat children
0: and for all you uh you know current uh you know people like Steve who are movie buffs. In modern day pop culture, Moloch is relevant um, in the two movies Sinister and Sinister Two, because they base the demon Bagul off of Moloch, who devoured children's souls. So if you you know want like a good follow up on Moloch, just go watch those two movies, uh, which Sean hasn't, even though I he has my voodoo passcode and could watch them at any time.
1: Any minute I want to. <laughs> <laughs> what is it again?
2: Sinister.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sinister one and Sinister Two. So. Is it on
2: Netflix? Probably not.
0: Uh, no, it's not. Uh, but, you know what I, I've seen Fuck Sin- it, Steve. I've seen it's Christmas, so I'll i I'll send you my uh I'll send you my voodoo stuff so you can watch them free of charge. Oh,
2: Wait, I've seen Sinister One. Ethan Hawk, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen two. He he's that
0: cop, right? Yeah, it's the cop. Yeah, yeah. Who's gonna be uh, one of the kids in it too? Yeah. So look at that. It's a fucking pop culture
1: circle. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So anyway, you guys might be wondering, why the hell did we just dump all this Bible study stuff on you like a really shitty Sunday school class? Well, the answer is very simple. Fairies have a lot to do with the Bible, in a way. Depending on where you are and what you read and what you believe, fairies aren't really that far from angels or demons. Many people and researchers believe that fairies may actually be modern-day demons or even part of Lucifer's fallen army. So it's said that during a great battle between heaven and hell, Lucifer had an army. But to his fault, he lost because he may not have had enough hellspawn doing the right deeds. It was discovered that a large portion of his army consisted of creatures that didn't really want to kill all the angels or rape all the human women and men. And so, since they were too good to belong in hell, but not bastardly enough to, (laughs) what what are you laughing at? That's uh, the fact that you added men in
0: there like demons raping men. Dude, demons don't give a damn. (laughs) They don't give a damn. They're they're fucking. They're demons, dude. They want to stick that
1: demon dick disco style in everything. (laughs) Dude, in hell. I don't think they're very picky, like, oh, not that one, Charlie. That's a boy. (laughs) Yeah, they're not at all, dude. It's a man, baby. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, my Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. (laughs) God. So, anyway, rewind. So, since some of the creatures were too good to belong in hell and just bastardly enough to get the door slammed on their face at the pearly gates, these creatures were cast down to earth by God himself, but were going to be forced to live in a magical realm and henceforth be known as the fae people or the fairies, i.e. fairies, trolls, elves, gnomes, and more. Bigfoot. This, uh, spoiler alert, this is what we commonly refer to as the Hildefolk or the Hidden Folk. Another explanation from the Celtic folklore is that the Hildefolk were actually children that God cast down to earth. When God came to visit Adam and Eve, after that whole Adam and Lilith fiasco, and he asked to see the children so that he could marvel in the wonder of human procreation, he didn't quite get what he wanted, because this was a surprise visit, and Eve was a little embarrassed because she'd only bathed half of her offspring that day. The I, I just muttered, Eve only bathed half of her offspring that day. So to be clever, she only showed God half of her children, the clean ones and she hid the dirty ones who were still covered in mud and dirt. Now, God, being the all-seeing and all-knowing, got a little upset, and thus he cursed the dirty kids, and he said, If your unclean children are not fit to be seen by God, Father of all creation, then they will not be fit to be seen by man either. So just like Thanos, he snapped his fingers, and poof! The dirty kids just... you know, turn invisible, and they were cast down to Earth to live in a fairy realm. What a dick! Either way, there is a really interesting take on the different types of fairies and where they came I, from. All right. So really quick, I want to add in that if you
0: uh, study the Quran, they talk about um, the jinn, which we kind of associate with the modern day take of the genies. Mm-hmm. And the jinn are the unseen... Because God with, was displeased with them, so they're made of like plasma and fire and other things. So he banished them from the earth realm, and they live in the unseen realm. But they can still interact with us. Mm-hmm. So most modern day, um, you know, the the Muslim culture, whereas here in the Western world, we might say that like it's demons or poltergeists. Mm-hmm. They would tell you that it's jinn yeah, that the they're Jen. interacting with. Yeah.
1: Ah, so I mean that's kind of interesting. This, of course, this is a brief history from what we know as, like you know, the the New Testament, Old Testament, um, you know, so, classic uh, Christian Bible. But to hear that coming from the Quran as well, that's a kind of a it's kind of cool to hear the same thing. The the jinn are akin to our fairies here. Yeah. So,
2: Wait. um, I know a little bit about the Bible and and stuff like that, and. Some of this stuff I haven't heard. So, like, how where at in the Bible is is all this stuff?
1: Mm -hmm. Don't know. Never read all of it. So, (laughs) right. Well, I would say it's somewhere between page one and the last page.
0: So, and uh, (laughs) like everything about like Lilith that was actually cut out of the King James Bible. Um. So that's what uh, I figured. So when the original uh, Christian texts were being put together, it was done during what we call. The Council of Nicaea, which is on the island of Delos, um, which is kind of where my middle name comes from. Wait, you're a demon spawn succubus? Oh yeah, and so what happened was they were sitting down and they were looking at all these different texts, and anything that was considered like a Gnostic text that the the kind of like the tribes of the desert uh, would use as their books. Uh, They got rid of, they wanted to streamline everything. So if you go far enough back um, to the, like the original um, Jewish documents, um, that those things are going to be in there. But then if you look at modern day Christianity, they cut all that out. So you have Mm -hmm. like the book of Enoch, you have, uh, you know, the book of Thomas. And then when those books were discovered, they're not considered doctrine because they weren't voted on during the council of Nicaea. Um, so that they really wanted to give a kind of like a streamline to modern day Christianity to get people to convert over because you have all these different books, all these different stories that it was just too mind boggling. So they're like, let's fucking cut all that out and make this as simple as possible. You so do this, you do this, you go to heaven, you do this, you do this, you go to hell. People are going to vote for it. You know, amen. so
2: di- so like, I don't know that to me, it's like you're picking and choosing what you're putting in this stuff. And how are you supposed to? Yeah. How is somebody supposed to get behind that? I don't know. It's Just weird. And like all the stuff, like we're talking about, poof, the dirty kids get turned invisible, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like shit, like that. Like, dude, that's that's such a dick move. And it seems it seems like you know, you create Adam, you create Lilith. Oh, Lilith was a mistake. With, let's put even there. She's a dirty girl. The,
0: like yeah, all these girl.
2: mistakes are happening very, very fast in very mm-hmm. big quantities. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> But but
0: look, Steve, like in the book of Enoch, so Enoch was the great, great grandfather of Noah, and he's the only person who traveled to heaven physically and then came back 400 years later with like knowledge. And so he talks about how like all the different angels taught him about writing, taught him about war. And when he talks about going before God, he basically tells the story where God said that the monkey man, so Enoch, smelled and that they had to give him a bath, shave his head bathe him in oil because he stunk so bad that he was unfit to go before God. And that's just, that's like a mind boggling story. Like you're telling me like you're the creation of God, but God says you fucking stink, dude. Go take a shower. <laughs> Put maybe, these oils on. Holy Are you shit? saying maybe no, my the dad's right here? Are you my saying
1: dad? that Bigfoot's in the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, Steve, I've got a book called Aliens, Angels and Outer Space. And this book tries to draw a line between the Bible and paranormal. And I think Ezekiel is pretty prominent in the UFO stuff. Genesis was prominent for the Nephilim. I forget where exactly, like Preston said, Lilith is supposed to be. But I mean, hell, this book this book covers a lot of it, but it got real preachy towards the end. So I'm, I haven't covered it yet in the show. But um, yeah, cool. it's all there, buddy. Cool. All there. Even Bigfoot getting shaved. <laughs> Shaving and him a bath. <laughs> Bigfoot getting a Brazilian. Oh. Um, oh. So, golly, getting back to the fairies real quick. Those that were cast down to the actual earth, like to the ground, are said to be what we know now as woodland fairies. So, the... The offspring and and you know basically the the demons that were too good for uh, too good for hell too bad for heaven were cast down. Those are the creatures that we know as woodland fairies, gnomes, elves, but also Bigfoot as well. Those that were cast down and caught in the sky are said to be the thunderbirds, Undercast. the cryptids in the sky like the ahul and other creatures, and those that landed in the water make up mermaids, sirens, and even the Loch Ness beasts. So it's interesting if you wanted to go on the Thanos idea here that snaps his finger and no one can look at him. The fairy realm is said to be an area that oftentimes blinks in and out of existence or off and on and a lot of times children can see into it but adults cannot. So that could explain why Bigfoot just easily kind of blinks in and out of existence. A lot of people say they see him and he this walks
2: an Man child
1: <laughs> they just, I just
0: want someone to love me. Yeah. Oh.
1: oh. you Stephen see me? will
0: love you, Bigfoot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Poor little oh. bastard. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's uh, that's why they say a lot of these paranormal creatures are said to blink in and out is because they actually share uh, a fifth dimension that we can't see. But old Sasquatch isn't the only thing that's said to have been suddenly seen in our world that has no explanations. Um, you guys remember. That story we talked about on episode 75, the Cryptid Encounters uh, gnome episode. Fuck yeah, dude. It was like yeah. it was yesterday. Hell yeah. We told a strange story about Woolerton Park in Nottingham, England. And a quick spark notes on that. That's a story about those six kids who were part of a student field trip. They go to this old castle, and they find this overgrown swampy area, and then they ignore the signs that says, you know, don't go back there. And then they soon found themselves face-to-face with dozens of, like, ball-shaped bubble jeeps that these tiny men with pointy hats and beards were flying around. And mm-hmm, they said there were, like, that? 30 of them chasing them around, honking their horns and laughing and shit like that. That could very easily have been children seeing into a fairy realm. And then you also remember, of course, um, the Dastardly Bastard... Uh, in that episode, where we talked about that gnome that was terrorizing those families in Fresco, California back in 2008, and he was the one that was running around eating cats and beating up their lawn ornaments and eating their koi fish. A common element that she talked about as well, the woman who was, you know, being tormented, was there were times when she could hear that creature giggling, laughing, and cackling, but could not quite see him. So again, an idea here that uh, these gnomes and these creatures can kind of blink in and out of existence. Yeah,
0: like the Catskill gnomes, we talk about Henry Hudson on that episode, and they only appear on the hottest of summers, and then they disappear, and they take their victims back into the gnome
1: realm. Yeah, boy. And that's, uh, that's a good place to kind of get into this whole idea of gnomes and elves and fairies. Because as we're going to find out, there's a lot of uh, common similarities between alien abductions and elven and fairy abductions as well. And that's where I kind of draw a line from the Thieves in the Night over to the Communion Letters. Because there's a really interesting story in this book called The Visitors in the Trees. And the story basically goes on to talk about this really weird encounter this woman had one afternoon. Her whole family was terrorized. So she talks about living out in the country, she and her family, and they live in this two-story house built up on this really steep hill. And she said what was really nice about the house is when you're on the second floor, you can look out and see into the treetops of the nearby trees. So one evening around 9 p.m., she thought she saw this large car pull up with really bright headlights. It, It rolled down the gravel driveway but didn't make any noise. She said she was in the, the kitchen doing the dinner dishes and looked over and saw this thing coming down the driveway and just thought, oh, someone's coming to visit, maybe. Or maybe they're just driving down to the next neighboring house. A car never parked, so she never thought more about it. Her family fell asleep that night, and they woke up around 7 in the morning. And when she went out and did more dishes in the kitchen, looking out the window to the backyard, she saw a woman in a red windbreaker walking towards her horse stables. She said she's wearing white pants, holding a long stick in her hand with a hat. She told her daughter, hey, go out there and see who that is. Why are they messing around with their horses? And when the daughter came back, she's like, mom, there's nobody out there. There's no footprints in the gravel. I don't know what you're talking about. So she looks out the window and sees a man jump off of a house nearby. He's wearing white pants. The house was over eight feet tall, but he seemed to just float down to the ground and run away. He was short, with brown hair, and he seemed to bounce in a way which gravity really had no effect on. So, what's weird is the woman says the Oz effects kind of kicks in, so she doesn't hear anything. There's no birds chirping, there's no birds in the trees, horses aren't making any noise. And she said for no reason at all, she shakes off this entire thing, and she goes to the market to do some shopping because that's what anybody would do who saw people jumping off a of house and walking into their horse stables. Wow, creepy. So she gets home from her shopping at the market, and she walks inside, and her husband walks up and says, Nah, there's people in the trees. We've been trying to talk to them, but they won't do anything. They won't answer. I have no idea what's going on, but there's people wearing khakis up in our trees. So they go outside. They stand on the front porch. And they see their children standing under these trees, just yelling, you know, come on down, we won't hurt you, get out of our trees, who are you, what do you want, get out of our trees. And so the wife thinks, well hell, I can can see the top of the trees if I go upstairs. So she runs upstairs and looks out one of the windows of the bedrooms, and she sees that these people wearing white khaki pants are building some sort of deck platform up in their tree, like some kind of weird tree house. And she has no idea what the hell is going on, but she calls her family up and her family's looking out the window and they're just watching these people kind of like, you know, peeking through the leaves and, and ducking down real quick and like looking around the corners and they have no idea what the hell is going on. But she says the, the trees are like 16 or 20 feet away. So they clearly see exactly what the hell is going on. And at one point, the mom even says, honey, do you see what I see to the daughter? And the daughter's just staring out the window. And then all of a sudden the daughter says, mommy, what's that thing coming out of its head? and there's two people in the tree right by the window. One looks slightly oriental, the other seems more Caucasian, but they're both small with brown mustaches and they have one antenna coming out of their head. And then she makes a remark that they're both wearing silver jewelry, but all different colors, gold, silver, platinum, green, purple, black, all these beautiful colors. And they can't quite see any more of their legs because they're being covered by branches. But anyway, these people seem to ignore the family inside and just go about their business. And as they go downstairs the next morning, they wake up, and there's a lady outside wearing this green jumpsuit, which uh, was too long for her body, like she was too short to be wearing people clothes. And she's got a large hat on and almost like an 8mm camera. And this woman's walking around the yard and climbing around the tree, taking, like, video of the house and the family that lives, you know, there on that farm. And the woman, re- you know, she the, the mom reaches the front door and yells out, You have no right to be here. You have no permission to do this. Why are you here? And the lady just kind, kind of ignores her and she climbs up the tree and just keeps on kind of like filming the trees and in and, and, and the family's windows and shit like that. It's just really bizarre because they've never seen these people before in their life. And she said, suddenly the next day, Another woman shows up wearing, like, an old Amelia Earhart-style flyers cap with, like, pilot's goggles. But they said what's strange is she has large, slanted eyes, but no nose and no mouth. She has soft-looking gloves on, and her jumpsuit was closed down the front with some sort of metal buttons. But again, she was oddly short with very skinny, slim, slender Arms. So Amelia Earhart the Goblin? <laughs> kind of. It kind of sounds like the Kentucky Goblins, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. But the, the story kind of wraps up here with, eventually the family has a couple friends arrive, and they welcome them inside, and the people immediately say, what the hell's going on out there, and who are those people up in your trees? And so the family kind of tells them, like, I don't know, they've been climbing around in our trees for a couple of days, we have no idea why they're here, But, you know, they just seem to kind of like jump off the ground and scuttle up these trees. It's like gravity doesn't even, you know, belong to them. It doesn't affect them at all. And then uh, they wake up finally the last morning. They wake up and they seem to have all forgotten what happened. The birds are chirping in the trees. They can hear, you know, the wind blowing, the, the leaves kind of rustling, the horses out in the stables. And then one by one throughout the day, they start kind of shaking out of this weird haze. And the mother's daughter runs up and says, Hey, Mommy, what was with that little man in the tree with the mustache? And then the husband's like, Yeah, I kind of remember something about that as well. And then the other daughter's like, Yeah, weren't they kind of short? And she holds her hand up and, you know, says they're about four or five feet tall. And the family kind of eventually, you know, shakes it off because the the husband says... There must have been some kind of, you know, mass hallucination. Maybe there was some gas in the house, something like that. But what's really strange is they never talk about it again. But the wife, you know, the mother of the family, uh, the following week she lost 13 pounds inexplicably. She needed two liters of intravenous fluid because she got really sick on a Friday. But on the following Saturday she was better. And after a week of sore throats, restless nights, and nausea, She finally came over whatever was, you know, ailing her. But another strange coincidence was her youngest child would grind her teeth so badly after that they eventually ground down to where she had to get uh, caps put on her teeth. And she'd only sleep with the blanket pulled entirely over her head. So, do you guys think those were fairies or or are they just high? Fairies, bro. I don't know, man. I can't.
0: Fairies just I don't know. It's just weird. Right. Steve's gonna go with high. So we're <laughs> we're, we're on different sides right? sides of the spectrum there.
1: Oh, that's very good. Very, very good. So Well, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it for now, guys, because at this point we're gonna start getting into some really creepy stuff about cases of children disappearing, fairies, aliens, and everything else. So uh <sighs>
0: Damn it! I wanted the sticky poop paper story. You want the sticky like, poop paper story? Goddamn,
1: we're on fire tonight.
0: Like, <laughs> let's let's throw the
1: listeners one more good before we All tap right. out. Because you asked nicely, I will recant the story of the the grandma <laughs> robot and the poopy <laughs> sticky paper. Yes. Okay. So, as we're gonna find out later on, guys, uh, the next couple episodes, one common theme of the supernatural child disappearances will be that oftentimes. People have claimed to see, you know, doppelgangers or twins of their family show up and try to coax away children. And this is a really, really strange story. It comes from Missing 411 North America and beyond. Some of you know it. Some of you love it. Here's a story of a young man. We're going to call John Doe because his name was redacted. This was near Mount Shasta, which is a whole other topic for a whole other show. But um, it's one of the weirdest stories I've ever read in a missing 411 book. The location was near Mount Shasta and happened sometime around October 2010. John was camping with his family on the banks of a large creek. At around 6 30 p.m., John disappeared from his campsite. The parents were searching all around the bordering forest for the little boy, who couldn't find him. The call was made to the local sheriff's office in the United States Forest Service for assistance. They had kind of a long-running history of strange things happening in this area. You know, very thick, big trees. There's lots of great fishing, but there's just a shit ton of strange stuff going on near Mount Shasta. They looked for him for hours. At about five hours after he first disappeared, John was found alive trapped in a thicket directly next to one of the primary trails the searchers had already looked over. He was found in good shape, good spirits, and he was returned to his parents at approximately 11.30 p.m. So the boy's gone for just about five hours. Now, what's really strange about this story is, A, this story specifically was also forwarded on to Whitley Strieber, which is really strange. You know, we just talked about that. We'll talk more about Streber throughout these couple episodes. Is there anyone there?
0: <laughs> right. You know, and I, I heard it on, um, I'm coast, not done. Coast a- oh, oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry. Though. Unless, uh, unless no, I heard it on it coast, coast AM. <laughs> so I don't associate, associate it with oh. Whitley Streber. So. Oh, sorry.
1: I thought you were going to say, I heard it that he went to a cave with his grandma and she has a robot. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> My bad baby. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. <laughs> So, John Doe, or Johnny Doe as I want to call him, because it sounds neater, was a very intelligent boy. He acts a heck of a lot older than three years. When he returned home, he was initially quiet about what happened until he saw his grandmother. Once Grandma was seen by John, he told his grandma that he had seen her twin while he was missing. He explained that while he doesn't remember how he got lost, The first memory is waking up in a cave or possibly a dungeon covered in a rock wall and he says he saw his grandma with him in the dark room. He said there was a ladder up the side wall that led to a bright light. His grandma's twin spoke to him in a very nice polite way. She said that she was very interested in his tummy. He explained that he thought he was talking with his grandma the entire time. However, at one point, Sparks began, (laughs) sparks began to fly from the side of her head. He then believed she was not his grandmother but a robot. He says he saw guns and purses and lots of dust-covered robots along the side of the cave. John explained that near the end of the time he was with this grandma robot, she finally places a piece of sticky paper on the ground, and told him she wanted him to poop on the paper. Johnny Doe said, I don't have to poop right now. And at this point, she took him from the room and placed him under a bush and told him just to stay there. He never explained.
0: God, I was going to add, I was gonna add like, like Buffalo Bill and be
1: like, poop on the fucking paper. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So in conversations, uh, sorry, he never explained how he got from the room, but does remember being found. And then in conversations later with John's family, he continues to say that he was never afraid during the entire time, except for when grandma had sparks come out of her neck. And what's really strange is the grandma and the grandpa were camping near that area where the disappearance happened, kind of like almost like neighboring cabins. And they don't remember anything strange except for the night before the event happened, they reported seeing some strange red lights in the trees like something was kind of flying and dipping around and, you know, kind of whizzing by in the trees. And then they went to bed at a normal time, but the grandmother remembers waking up the next morning with blood on her pillow in what looked like a injection site in the back of her neck. So she doesn't recall being stung by anything. It could have been something being injected into her. They don't really know. But anyway, that, folks, is a story of the Grandma Robot and the Poopy Sticky Paper. Pretty weird. Well, guys, let's put a pin in it there. We will get back to it on the next episode. And uh, not so much history next time. Just wanted to kind of get that off our chest and explain where some of the major players are going to come from in the next episode.
0: Guys, but go- it was quality history, though.
1: It it was. I got to say, yeah. one of my favorite research uh, shows so far. <laughs> 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 oh, Some hot chaff, you'd call that. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Well, um, you guys got anything you want to plug here? Are you guys watching anything interesting, Steve? Uh, just about to finish. Uh, someone said,
2: "Pixelated Clarita Diet." Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Santa Clarita Diet. Uh, it's pretty the season. What three, right? Yeah. I, actually, I did finish it. Yeah, it ended really very abruptly. I didn't realize that I was already on the tenth episode, so that was pretty mm. fun. They mentioned a lot more about the paranormal. Subreddits and blogs and
1: yeah, pretty cool.
2: It's a, it's it's a fun show. I highly mm-hmm. recommend it. And other than yeah, that, we have
1: one episode left
2: of that, mm-hmm. I think. Cool, but other than that, no, not not really.
0: God, you guys are behind. You should check out OA season two because that answered all the questions from OA season one. I'm only like three episodes in. Did not really?
2: I think, yeah, I think I got to the episode three or four of the first season.
1: I don't know why I quit oh, That's shit, the one where they Steve. go to that.
2: That's the one where they go to that house, right? And there's like all them people meeting with that chicken there. Yeah, yeah. Phyllis from yeah. the
1: office is in it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. Oh, so you never got to yeah. watch the fucking head scratching season finale, did you? Uh. Uh-uh. Oh boy. Well, Steve, I... you need to do yourself a favor. Finish that and then start season two. <laughs>
2: yeah, I need to.
1: I think we're gonna jump back into that as soon as we finish up Santa Clarita. Oh yeah, be a nice palate cleanser after watching ten episodes of Drew Barrymore's tiny mouth. Her, yeah, no. <laughs>
2: her, uh, her, my girlfriend's mom and her started watching Mine Hunter. Oh, I really? like It wasn't for her mom because yeah. I, I guess I, I did you guys remember? I don't. I remember that show, but I don't remember it's because I'm so desensitized to it. Like the a lot of sexual stuff in that show. Uh, yeah. But see, like, I don't even remember that. <laughs> like, I'm yeah, yeah, Kemper was a pretty fucked
1: up dude. Yeah. As was the guy that had well, the I mean, shoe fetish.
2: Well, I mean, he talks about it.
1: Yeah. They, but like, do they show a lot of sexual uh, stuff in that show? I want to say the younger guy and his girlfriend, you know, banging out a few times. Yeah. I don't no, think they, I don't they, think they do the candle holder or the disco duck, but <laughs> yeah,
2: they got to like <laughs> episode <laughs> three, and then and then just she's like, I don't think mom liked it because it was too sexual. Uh, so, you know, the older generation, it makes them uneasy to watch, stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, understand. head blown off in the first episode. It's totally cool. So. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. like uh, it's like, I don't know. That show's that shows amazing.
1: I love it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right, cool. Well, let's plug some shit and get out of here. Listen, want a beard,
0: need a beard. If you want to grow a beard that'll make Lilith do the disco with you, (laughs) check out BigDobBeardBomb.com. And Sean is going to hit you with the promo.
1: Oh, I love every time. It's my favorite part of the episode to see what you (laughs) plug with Big Dob's Beard Balm. Use promo code P-X-L-P-A-R-A for 20% off your entire order from his website. Beard Balms, Beard Oils, Beard Combs, Beard Soap more beard, stuff everything. than you can shake a beard at yeah. and be sure to uh, catch us. If you're in the Omaha area, uh, the weekend of April 13th, Saturday, come check us out at the rock your beard off beard mustache competition, uh, being held and put on by the Omaha facial hair society. We're going to be down there with, uh, big Dobbs and gunslinger soap, the Omaha facial hair society, Rob bones, Micah, all, uh, all these great people. We can't wait to get out and actually yeah. meet in person, hang out with. And, uh, And I actually uh,
0: met a new listener who uh, is going to be there the weekend that we're going to be there. So shout out to Colin Eaton. Yeah. Um, Hope you're listening to all of our episodes, who's also a ghost hunter and we've had a paranormal love interest over the last couple of days so i hope to oh my God. catch I you were, up with you uh, this weekend
2: I, I thought you were gonna say paranormal love encounter
0: <laughs> uh, no <laughs> but listen i'm not done with the shout outs because <laughs> if you want to take a trip down the rabbit hole and you want to grow a ponytail if you want to wear a tinfoil hat <laughs> check out the robert to rome tin robert? Foil hat society richard. and uh what is it
2: <laughs> richard <laughs> Richard Robert, <laughs> Robert Robert Jerome. <De> <laughs> if you want
0: to want to be a part of the Richard Jerome Tinfoil hat Society, check us out on Facebook and join our you know face or not Facebook our YouTube page and subscribe so yeah
1: ponytails are not required, but heavily would... When I so walked in, it wasn't in a ponytail. It was like a rat tail from the night. When, when I
0: walked in, <laughs> and
2: he had that thing in the ponytail, I just started dying laughing. I was like, oh. I was like, I was like, what in the trailer park George Washington bullshit is this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, oh man, yeah. Check uh, us out on YouTube. Tell your friends we're on Spotify. We're on uh, Pod Podbean. Bean. Steve, Ooh. where are all the podcast things we're on?
2: Ooh, we're on everything. You look it up, we're on it. It'll all, it oh, seriously, <laughs> didn't any app you
1: download,
2: <laughs> no, like any any app you download, you'll be able to find it. Just type in "Pixel Paranormal" because it all it all goes to the RSS feeds. That uh, oh, Mark that's true. You are correct. Yeah, but yeah, and the then check out asked. our Instagram, pxl paranormal, all one word. Um, get on there, follow us, and shit like that. Also, our Facebook page as well. Keep up to date with all that stuff.
1: The shout. Hell yeah. Check us out on YouTube. I said that already. I meant to say Instagram. Check us out on Instagram. Our at is PXL Paranormal. I just uh, said that. Oh, did you for real? No (laughs) one's going to know because I'm going to edit this out. Oh, (laughs) shit. shit. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, I think we've about done it.
0: Well, no, you forgot Pixelated Sausage or Sister Podcast. Oh, yep. Mark or Brother from Another Mother. You forgot Sports Car Unleashed, the oh. one podcast that you Ooh, never listened to. How could
1: I forget? My favorite race car Jesus. podcast. Jesus. <laughs> uh, hell yeah. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. If you're new listeners, thank you very much. And everybody, look forward to the next episode because we're going to get into some weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we'll catch you all and next time around peace, peace.
0: the cast at pixelated paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode pixelated paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical the strange the unknown tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway if you'd like to share your own listener story we would love to hear it Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.